0: So if you are new here, we are going through the book of Revelation, and um, we will be in the latter half of chapter 12 today. We will not get through all of chapter 12, but I will ask that you guys, what we don't get to, that you will read. So let's um, pray for the sermon, and then we will get started. Father, we thank you for Mother's Day, we thank you for baby dedication, we thank you for you sending people, not only here to the church, but then also to the world, Father. Pray today that you give us ears to hear and eyes to see, hearts with fertile soil, minds to comprehend, feet that want want to run with obedience. May this word bring transformation to us today, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Revelation 12 is unique because I guess Revelation is unique within itself too, right? How much do we take literal? How much is symbolic? So we've wrestled through much of that throughout this whole journey. So what makes Revelation 12 really unique is the first few verses of Revelation 12 seem to look back at the beginning of time when the fall of Satan happened, So we've kind of seen that battle. But then right after that, it seems to be that this vision that John was having and what God was showing him is now right during the middle of tribulation. So you have to ask why does God show in this vision, why does he show John the beginning fall of Satan? Then why does he take it to the middle of tribulation? And I guess maybe what God is trying to show is that the enemy since the beginning of time and to the end of time will be out to destroy God's plan. So in the beginning Satan wanted power and then Satan wanted to destroy man throughout tribulation to the end. What does Satan want to do? Destroy God's plan. What was God's plan? That you and I would walk in a relationship with him and to have intimacy with him. So what we saw is, is, is we saw Satan coming to deceive man. And then we saw Satan trying to destroy man by destroying babies. And we looked at that last week. We even see Satan trying to destroy babies today. Do you guys see that? One avenue that that happens is abortion. Abortion. The other way that that happens is through certain um, ideologies that we're teaching through cartoons, through news, through social media, through school systems. We see these things happening. So the enemy, the prince of the air, is out to destroy our kids. So praise God for parents who are willing to stand up and say, I will teach my kid the ways of Jesus. Amen. So I believe what God was was doing was to reveal the enemy had a plan to destroy God's people since the start. So to recap last week just a little bit. Last week in the imagery we had a woman, her child, and the dragon. There are many ideas of what they could represent. But where we landed is the woman and the child were all a part of God's plan. While Satan's plan has been to destroy both of them from the beginning. So here in Revelation 12, last week, war breaks out. And when this war breaks out, it breaks out between Michael and the dragon. And um, Michael is the angel Michael, right? And the dragon is Satan. And essentially what we came to is when we think of God and when we think of Satan, we think of God and Satan as opposites. But what we learned last week is there is no opposite of God. Absolutely no opposite of God. God is far distinct and different from everything else that there's absolutely no opposite of him. Now what we do know is things oppose God, but just because you oppose God doesn't mean you're opposite of him. There is nothing like him that will ever be or ever was for the rest of eternity. But what the opposite, what we learned last week, is the opposite of Satan is actually, it appears to be, Michael. Because the war in heaven in Revelation 12 that breaks out is between Michael and Satan. What ends up happening is Michael wins the battle and Satan gets kicked out. So this war breaks out. As the enemy lost, he was hurled down to the earth, and he brought a third of the angels with him. So, this is what happened at the beginning of time. Satan wanted power, a fight broke out, he was kicked out of heaven. Yeah, the third of the angels came. So, therefore, Satan's endless goal, again, that we saw, was to destroy God's people. And to do that, he deceives, he perverts. He tempts, he possesses, and he accuses God's people. So today what we wanted to look at is the accusations of the enemy. Satan accuses you. Satan accuses the world. So immediately after this war broke out, John heard a voice say, so Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb. And by the word of their testimony, they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows that his time is short. So the enemy is the accuser. I've said it before, and I will say it again. The enemy is the accuser. You know what we like to do as people? We like to accuse people. So say, uh, Jesus is the create, or God is the creator. Jesus is the redeemer. Satan is what? The accuser. The accuser. The accuser. So when we, as God's people, begin to accuse people. What are we participating in? Witchcraft. We are participating in things of demons. Satan is the accuser. So when we start accusing Sharon at work who blah, 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 or my manager this, or my cousin, or my uncle, when we start accusing the silly person in leadership or Whoever else, right, we are participating just like the devil. Have you ever thought about that? Because I think when we think about participating in things of demons, we don't want to do it. We're Christians. I believe most of us are Christians. So we don't want to go out there and say, I want to be a Christian and participate in demonic things. When we accuse, we're doing that. You get the point. Nevertheless, what we see going on here in Revelation chapter 12 is Satan is called the accuser. And the enemy will always accuse you and I. You're not good enough. God won't forgive you. Your sin is too much. Your past should be hidden. Your life doesn't matter. You don't have a testimony. You'll never change. Did God really say, these accusations will come to us each day to steer us off the path by which God has designed for you and I? How many of you guys feel like you've been accused by the enemy this week? Anyone in here participating church? Those hands were really slow to come up, and I'm thinking, boy, we got a pretty protected church. The enemy has accused us that we don't possess the power of the living God inside of us. See, when you face temptation this week, because what we understand is we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. And God has given us every good thing that we need to overcome this life. So this week you face temptation. And you're struggling with temptation. And you're like, I want to do the godly thing, I just can't. I don't have the ability to do the godly thing. And then the voice comes in your head, right? You don't have the power. You're too weak. You deserve this. You should just say it. You should just give up. What's one time? This, This one time will be your last time. And the accuser comes in and he speaks. Satan is trying to destroy you. Now, was it Satan himself? No. Maybe. Probably not. Was it demons? Possibly. Maybe it was just a stronghold in your life, a demonic stronghold, just a way of thinking that you haven't surrendered to God or that hasn't been broken in your life. So he comes in to accuse us. But then sometimes the question is, is how do we know the difference from an accusation versus conviction? condemnation versus conviction. Well, Satan is condemning. Jesus didn't come to condemn the world, did he? Jesus came to bring life to the world, to save the world. So Jesus is convicting. So when we come, when when we start hearing accusations or when we start hearing rebuking thoughts, the difference is this, is Jesus is telling us, he's saying, hey, get rid of this because I have more life for you. Satan comes and says, you're a horrible person. God doesn't love you unless you do something. Make sense? Conviction is God is trying to bring life. Accusation and condemnation tells you that you are not good enough. So Jesus is convicting. John 3, 17 says this, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Amen? Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. So the Satan accuses, Jesus brings life. We have to be able to discern those two voices of accusation versus one bringing conviction. So the question is this, how do we overcome accusations from the enemy? We had a lot of hands raised. So how do we overcome accusations? Revelation 12 gives us an outline, I believe. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. So what we first have to understand is this. Is we live as Christians knowing that our salvation is settled. Amen? There's nothing you can do. There's, and that was kind of the joke of this morning of saying the only way that this works is if, if you sing the song for those dedicating their children. Works does not earn it. Our salvation is settled, and our salvation was settled on the cross. Now, that doesn't mean that we um, live as we wish. We live as he wishes. We live as he demands. But when the enemy comes to me and says, hey, you're not good enough, you know what I tell him? You're right. I agree with that. I am not good enough. Because if I got what I deserved, I would get hell. Because my salvation is settled. My salvation isn't settled because of what I've done, what I can do, what I will do, what I did in my past. My salvation is settled because of the blood of Jesus, and I don't deserve it. So you and I are agreeing on something, buddy. Right? So the way that we can defeat the accusations of the enemy is just to remember It's settled, it's done. I'm not gonna be perfect. But we also don't use that as an excuse, right? I'm not saying that there's not sin in this world. There is sin in this world and sin has consequences. But we also remember that it is settled. See, Jesus has given us salvation, it tells us in the scripture. He's given us power, the kingdom, and authority you and I are saved from the penalty of sin. Jesus died in our place, and the full payment was made. Then he conquered the grave. You and I don't need to fear whether we can go to heaven or not. We don't need to fear that anymore. So when the enemy accuses us, we don't need to fear it. We don't need to worry about it. We don't need to think about it twice. Hebrews 2, 14, and 15. Since the Uh, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. You and I don't need to fear death anymore because he died for us. We no longer must be slaves to the fear of dying because for those who are in Christ, their salvation is settled. What else could you want? Death can't separate you from His love. We get to go to heaven and be with God forever because our salvation is settled. So since our salvation is settled, what's the second place that we can defend ourselves against the accusations of the enemy? When the enemy accuses us, we need to know that Jesus paid the price for our salvation because the victory over accusation and the victory into salvation comes through the blood of Jesus Verse 11 says this, they triumphed over him. So, who is the him here? The him here is the accuser. The him here is Satan, the dragon. So, those who are here on earth during Revelation chapter 12, during tribulation, those here triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, not by good works. Not by hiding under a bridge. Not by um, having a lot of food in your house for when bad times come. Not for having a zombie apocalypse shelter in your basement. Not by having all the ammunition in the world, right? The way that they triumphed over the enemy was by the blood of the Lamb. Our victory is through the blood of the lamb. His death in our place. And these believers in Revelation 12 were victorious because of the blood of the lamb. The blood has given us everything we need to overcome the world and accusations. It has given us the substitution for our sin. It gives us the promise of his love even though we are sinners. It gives us the knowledge of the deep need that we have to avoid sin. Jesus, a perfect human, had to die for our mess. It gives us hope for the future. It gives us the ability and the power to overcome sin. So, our victory is through the blood of Jesus. A simple Bible backing for this is 1 John Five, four. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. 2 Peter 1 3. His div- divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So we can overcome the world. We can overcome the temptations and the frustrations and the bitterness and the fear and the accusations. Why? Because of his blood. The third point that Revelation chapter 12 helps us understand and how we overcome the The accusations of the enemy is we unshamedly share our testimony. So, verse 11 they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And by the word of their testimony, not only did they have victory over Satan because of the blood but because of their willingness to share their testimony. Knowing and sharing the work of Jesus in our life guards us from the lies of the enemy. I wonder how many of us have shared our testimony this week. See, when we remember and speak God's faithfulness in our life, our focus changes. Our focus changes when we remember his faithfulness. We become thankful, we become giving, we become caring, we become empathetic, we become forgiving, we become patient, we become focused on his ways when we remember his faithfulness. Those who forgive much have been forgiven much. Those who love much have been loved much. We have been forgiven much and we have been loved much, amen? See, what often happens is we forget about how much we're loved. We forget about the price that Jesus has paid. We have different testimonies in this room. You know, maybe someone in here is like, the worst thing I ever did was say the word darn. And that's my testimony, so I feel like I can't share it. Right? So maybe we have that person. And then we have, you know, the wide range of up here as well, like that we would see like the crazy stories of whatever. I was an alcoholic and God delivered me. Or I had billions of dollars and I lost it all. Whatever the story may be, we have to share them. God calls us to share our story. So if you're struggling this week with the accusations of the enemy, what should we do, right? Well, first, we need to remember the blood. Second, we need to um, understand our salvation is settled. But then we need to share our testimonies. It has to happen. The list could go on of, of reasons why we need to share it, but I ask you today, why are you afraid to share your story? It's a weapon that you've been given. Your story is a weapon. Why are you afraid to share it? Rhetorically thinking about that, why are you afraid to share your story? Getting, um, <laughs> the other day I had to go get my hair cut. I went to go get my hair cut and I made it into Kroger. And by the time I got back, Macy's like, How would you get here so quick? Girl, you seen my hair? I mean, they put like the half guard on, two swipes, and then they're done. There's like, there's a third up there. We got Pangea going on up there. A third of the earth they don't even need to cut. But while I was there, she said, well, what are you doing today, you know, what are your plans? Do you have to work? So, yeah, I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I have a sermon to put together. There's moments where you just want to hide from that, don't you? You want to hide because you want to relate to the people around you somehow and not throw the wrench into the situation. And sometimes identifying with Jesus can be the wrench in the room. Why are you afraid to share your story? And sharing your story doesn't mean that you go to work and you just start sharing all your dirty laundry. Maybe it just means that you're unashamed to bring him up. I would say that if you are afraid to share your story, it's because you don't believe you have victory through the blood of Jesus and you are believing the accusations from the enemy. I would say you don't share because you are, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this as plain. People do not share their story because they are ashamed of the gospel. Black and white. We don't share our testimonies because we're ashamed of the gospel. And you say, well, my story is not elaborate. I don't know how to speak. I don't know what I would say. Well, it's pretty simple. Um, it's pretty simple. John chapter 9, verse 25. Here's how simple it can be to share your story. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. That's how simple it is. You don't need to come up here and say, you know, have this three-page outline of sharing your story, identifying with Jesus is simple. You want to know what, what the um, why, I know that God is real. Why I know that there's power in Him and through Him, not because of what I have seen on TBN or hear. See if. Facebook video about some awesome testimony of people coming back to life or this being healed or that being healed. That's not why I believe as much as I believe. I believe the way that I believe is because what he's done in my life, the way that my life has changed. And now whether you guys see that or not, I know the work and the struggles that I have I know, the, I, I know the work that he's done in my life. I know the struggles that I have in my life and I know how he's faithful to bring transformation to that. So here's what I can tell the world is this, is I was once this way. I was once a much bigger punk than I am today. And I know that he's done his work. I was blind, but now I see. I was pursuing things for me and now I feel like I'm pursuing more things for him I was this way and now I'm that way you don't have to have the elaborate story and the fact of the matter is is the enemy tells you that you have to have the elaborate story and then you believe it and it's probably not even that deep the fact of the matter at the root of all of our issues is this is we do not share our story not because we're not qualified but we don't share our story because we're ashamed of the gospel That doesn't go for everyone in this room. Macy's my wife. I love being her husband. I'm not ashamed of that. Macy, in the things that she can offer me, pales in comparison to what he can offer me. Amen? Truth. Why would you talk about your wife that way? Because it's truth. I cannot offer Macy anything close to what God can offer me. But I'll identify with her everywhere I go. It's my wife. I I get to wear the ring. I don't take it off. Everywhere I go, every conversation, Macy and I, my wife and I, woman. That woman God gave me. You guys need to laugh at that because you're like, does he really treat her that way? Look at the smile on her face. It's true. <laughs> um, Mark actually, in, in the best way, just threatened me before. I don't, you might not even remember. He just said, hey, look, don't make me ever punch you in your face, buddy. <laughs> okay, thank you. And this was years ago. But okay, God bless you. I remember it. I don't know if he's lefty or righty, so which one I need to watch out for. <laughs> hey, if you know, you know. If you were here last week, Mark did one of these to me. You guys remember? You don't. you don't even remember what I talked about last week. Whatever. Why are you ashamed? Why are you ashamed of the gospel? Why are you ashamed to share your story? Some of, the, some of our best friends in life will go to hell because we were ashamed of the gospel we kept the treasure of eternity to ourselves. We kept the best gift and the best thing that we ever received to ourselves. Live transformed. So in the end of time in Revelation 12, the people who are there, God's remnant, overcame the enemy by their testimony. I was blind and now I see. I was this and this is how how I am now. The strongest testimony you have is not something you've seen or heard, but how your life has changed since knowing Jesus. Final point, and then we're out of here. What Revelation chapter 12 tells us is a way to defeat the accusations of the enemy is we don't strive to keep our lives. Through COVID, through the past several years, I have seen a nation and I've seen a world strive to keep their life. They triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb. We talked about that. And by the word of their testimony, we talked about that. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. These people during tribulation, were not afraid of death because they believed they had a place. They knew that Jesus died for them, that they were going to go to heaven. But the issue was this, is if they loved life more than anything else, the enemy could move and attack them however he likes. If you love life more than you love Jesus, if you want to keep your life More than you want to lose your life for the sake of Christ, the enemy can attack you however he wants. See, if they um, were to cling to heavenly things and not earthly things, the enemy can't win against them. If you cling to heavenly things, what do you have to lose? If your hope is in heaven, then what can the enemy take from you? Nothing, right? So... These people during the end of time, God's remnant here, they didn't strive to keep their lives. These believers are facing tribulation and they did not fear dying because they had faith in God. And sometimes when we face small tribulations, what we do is we we actually cling to our stuff rather than let go and say it doesn't matter. And don't tell me you don't fear dying because some people are like, well, <laughs> I'm not afraid to die. Okay, well, if, if you're not afraid to die, then start sharing your testimony because you're afraid for your reputation. You're afraid of what people might think of you. Don't tell me you're not afraid to die if you're not afraid to share your testimony. Nevertheless, that one was free, but um, yeah, so these believers here in Revelation 12 are facing tribulation and don't f- fear dying because of their faith in God. These believers believed Philippians 1:21, "For me, to live is Christ, but to die is gain." And those words are true today, are they not? As we live for Christ, that's to gain it's." To live, to live this life, is Christ. To live for him is Christ. It's fulfilling, but to die is even better. These believers also understood the words of Mark chapter 8.35. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. So these believers, at the end of time, what they're willing to say is, hey, I'm not going to side with the Antichrist. I'm not going to receive the mark of the beast. I will receive any kind of tribulation and threats and killing and suffering because for me, I don't want to keep my life. I want to lose it for the sake of Christ. So I ask you today, in um, standing behind scripture, what are you clinging to? What are you trying to keep? What are you pursuing for happiness? And when accusations come, what is your defense? Because what I would argue is I think the church has been bombarded with so much chaos through COVID and just life, sickness and flat tires and responsibilities that, that essentially what they've done is they've just given up on defending themselves against the accusations of the enemy. The church is just out here fighting alone and not using what God has given us. We have these, um, we have the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit to defend and protect ourselves and be offensive, right? Against the fiery arrows of the Satan, The breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, right? The belt of truth, the feet of readiness, the helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit. We have the word of God. We have everything we need, but the church is just letting life and the spirit of the Antichrist destroy us by depressing us, by giving us no hope. And the way that we overcome that, is to declare these basic principles in Revelation 12 over our life. My salvation is settled today. Your salvation is settled today. Your victory is through the blood, not in things going your way. And then we also defeat it by sharing our testimony. I was once blind, now I see. And then finally, we overcome the accusations of Satan when we don't strive to keep our lives. So I encourage you to go home and read the rest of Revelation chapter 12. We'll be in 13 next, next week. But live in these principles this week and see how your life will transform. Can you give me that? Sometimes when um, I talk to unbelievers, what I ask them is this. Will you come to church for four weeks and see if God shows up? No one's taken me up on that deal yet. I might just have to start saying we come to church once. But church, I ask you, will you apply these principles this week and watch how God will change your life? Because uh, so, sometimes on Thursday, so The Thursday after preaching, I forget what I even preached about the week before. Right? And then I can have my excuses of why I even forgot. I can go back to my notes, and I often go back to my notes, right? But I often have these excuses. Well, I was busy with this, and I was busy with that, and I'm stressed out about this, or I'm overwhelmed with this, or mowing the grass, or sometimes I just want to get away from it, right? And I have all these reasons. But all these reasons don't bring life to me. And a frustration, and the reason why I bring that up is sometimes the congregation will come up to me on Monday and say, hey, buddy, good sermon. Yeah, but what stuck out to you? Well, a bit, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't know. So what you're telling me is I made you feel a certain way during the sermon. So your emotions felt something during the sermon, but we, didn't, we weren't disciplined enough to apply the things that we were learning I, don't, I could care less if I made you feel a certain way. I want God's word to bring life to you. And the only way that God's word brings life to us is if we take God's word and then we obey God's word. So feeling a certain way today does nothing. But applying these principles this week will bring transformation. What does scripture say? That obedience is greater than sacrifice. I don't want your burnt offerings. So what do we need to do this week? We need to remember our salvation is settled. That our victory is through the blood of Jesus. We need to share our testimony this week. And we need to be okay with losing our lives for the sake of Christ. Father, in Jesus' name. I pray that you would encourage us to apply your biblical principles, your ways to our life this week. Father, I just know it's a promise. It's a promise in scripture that when we live your way, peace, the peace of God will come over us. I pray that you would bring that transformation to us right now. Give us the boldness to obey. So we honor you. We thank you that you had a plan for us. Father, we thank you that you created us. Why in the world would you create us? But we thank you that you also uh, want us to be with you for eternity. We thank you for moms. I pray that you would even, Father, just... Um, I know how good days like this can turn pretty bad quickly when accusations happen. So we leave here in a flat tire or a kid this or someone gets mad and then the whole day's ruined. I pray that you would protect us from the schemes of the enemy and that we would have a day that brings honor to you and life to our family. In Jesus' name, amen.